0: What's going on coaches? Got a lot of really good stuff up on our website, runthepower.com. Coach Walls just added a couple different videos and RTP install. Uh, Again, all that stuff you guys can get for as little as $10 a month. Also got a lot of really cool stuff going on our website um, for you guys. Uh, Cheaper discounts on a bunch of different things. Again, you can find all that at runthepower.com. Want to say thank you to all the coaches that have reached out to me. Uh, Yes, still looking for a spot OC or online job, uh, we're pretty sure we're going down to Texas. So uh, just kind of, I've gotten a, a ton of different emails and, and tweets, DMs asking me about it. So that's kind of the easiest way to tell you guys. So appreciate everyone checking in on me. Everything's going well, uh, and and I'm enjoying getting to do the podcast right now a little bit in the downtime. So uh, if you guys need anything from us, go check us out at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring, and the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info@LegendRings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you, and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at LegendRings.com. This episode of the RTP Podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us, if you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get My Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com/RTP, the best playbook tool on the market, at JustPlaySolutions.com/RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a -a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at TeamBuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at TeamBuilder.com, which is TeamBUILDR.com. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with Jason Mons. Coach Mons is the head coach at the Powerhouse Segura High School in Scottsdale, Arizona. Listen, we talk with Coach about his awesome football journey through the youth league at Seguro, ending up as the head coach. We also talk about his explosive offenses and how they were able to learn from some of the best coaches in the country to adapt and change on a yearly basis to highlight the talent they have year in and year out. You can follow Coach on Twitter at Coach mons hope you guys enjoy
1: what is your guys's football routine then coach so kind of talk us a little bit about you know obviously what happened uh, and how arizona kind of handled the uh, the whole season and where you guys are at now
2: well, I mean, it was a, it was a crazy year. I mean, it went all the way back. I mean, we're coming up on like a full calendar year of, of, of this stuff affecting us. I mean, we, mm. it was like, I want to say mid February um, or early March uh, right before our spring breaks, we kind of started, kind of started hearing about it. And we went on spring break and then never came back. Um, they, they shut us down like a couple of days before we were supposed to come back from spring break. So all of our winter workouts, we we do a thing called Zero Dark Thursday in the winters where we bring the kids in at at, uh, at six in the morning on Thursday mornings and put them through like a kind of like a boot camp style workout. We do it for six consecutive weeks. So we got shut down for that. And then uh and then uh you know, obviously we went virtual school, our spring ball got shut down and uh summer summer was all was all screwy. I mean, we we had to be in groups of ten or less on the field. We couldn't use our own weight room. Um it was just like just one thing after another, some summer team camp. We usually take our kids to California, um, stay, uh, stay four nights at Cal Lutheran university and, um, do like a real good team camp there that got shut down. it was like, it was just one thing after another. So it was frustrating. That the, the biggest thing that was frustrating for me was our state association. They didn't put guidelines in place for everybody. They left it up to each individual school district. So, um, there were some districts that they did what they normally do and they had you know, they let their kids in the weight room and they had, you know, regular practices going on with a hundred kids on the field and they went to camps. And, and so that's where I was really getting frustrated. Cause it's like, you know, these are the teams I got to beat. And, uh, and I felt like they had a, they had an advantage on us. So, uh, but at the end of the day, when, when it came down to it, I, you know, I was thankful that we had a chance to play. Um, we went from a 10 game regular season to an eight game regular season uh, because the season was pushed back four of our eight teams on our regular season schedule quarantine the week of uh the game that we were supposed to play them Jeez. uh we one game we picked back up on 24 hours notice we, we got the game at 3 30 on thursday and played them on fr- seven o'clock on friday night so that was a that was an experience that i hope i never have to go through again and they were a good team so um it wasn't like we picked up a crappy team and and just kind of showed up and rolled the balls out we actually had to try to prepare and game plan for a good football team and uh, so we ended up playing a six game regular season and then uh we qualified for the open division in Arizona. They, last year was the first year they did it. They take the top eight teams, regardless of your classification, um, into, a, into a separate playoff bracket. So uh, we qualified as the third seed and really felt like we had a good draw. Um, we're gonna have a chance to, to try to get payback on, on the team that beat us uh, by a touchdown early in the year um, in that game on ESPN. And uh, it just, I guess the day, it was Thanksgiving day and uh we were supposed to play the next day and we had uh, a third positive case over the span of 14 days that was a rule if you had three people in your program that were either positive or symptomatic um it was an automatic eight-day shutdown so uh, i had to bring my team all together on zoom on thanksgiving morning and tell them that our season was over so it was uh it was a hell of a year um a lot of stuff i mean we've played for a state championship seven years in a row prior to this year. So for 14 game seasons, we only played six games. And I felt like we played 32, you know, it was just, it, it just, it was from all the way back to last winter, last spring, and, and all the changes and adjusting and, and um, just trying to, trying to manage and maneuver through it. It it, it took a, it took a toll, uh, I think on everybody, but as a head coach, man, it was uh it was a grind. It was a hard year and it was heartbreaking to have to tell my seniors that, uh, you know, even though we won our last game that, that uh, we didn't get to, we didn't get a chance to to play for it all and and that their season was over. right. You know, it was just a tough deal. So yeah, that was a, that was our season in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine, you know, like you said, the the weight on a head coach have to call their whole entire team um, when they think they're going to play in a couple of days Uh, and, and and your staff, I mean, you had to let your staff know the kids know uh, and, and I can only, you know, as tough as it was on you, I can, I can only imagine how tough it was like you said for those seniors that, that, you know, we're, we're going to continue that tradition you guys have had. Uh, and then uh, through, you know, no fault of their own, uh, don't get to play in that game. That's, that's, yeah. You that's know, the crazy. thing is like,
2: and that's what the hardest part about it was. And I, and
0: I, and I tell people,
2: you know, I'll, I'll have another, I'll have another team. You know, I've, I've got another team next year and those seniors, they don't, they don't, they don't have another team. They don't have another year. You know, the the, the lucky ones that, that had the chance to go on and play college football, you know, they'll, they'll get to play some more football, but the majority of them won't. And so, that was the, that was the thing that really broke my heart. And it was really the hardest thing for me to, 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 uh, to, to process was it, it was, I, I never really felt like it was about me. I, I felt worn out. I, I felt, you know, I mean, there was times, you know, you, nobody ever says they feel sorry for themselves. There was a couple of times I felt sorry for myself. Like, man, I'm, I'm so tired of having to <laughs> cha- change on the fly and re you know, adjust our schedule and say, we're doing this. And then a day later, come back and say, we're doing something else. But I mean, you know, all in all, it was, it was more, I think, um, feeling for our, the kids in our program and, and uh, the families in our program. And and like I said, especially those seniors that it was their last, it was their last run. That was, that was a tough deal.
0: Well, especially, especially this year with how the NCAA has gone, um, there's, you know, so few seniors that are actually going to get to go play football at the college level because, you know, they're, they're letting, which they should, they're letting all those kids stay and and play another year of college, but, you know, kind of who it ends up, trickling down to uh, is this senior class because there's not many scholarships out there um, and then you know we've got guys that we'd love to go division two uh, but but with the with the new uh, transfer one time and, and get to play a rule uh, even those division twos that maybe only have a few scholarships now uh, because of the graduation rule uh, they're going to keep those for a, a d1 bounce back because they get to transfer in in one year and so uh, it, it's been a really tough off season, I'm assuming for you guys as well, but for us trying to get our seniors, um, some, some college offers.
2: Yeah. You know, we've, that's, that's one of the things that that we've had a lot of success with in our, in, in our program is getting kids out and we've had a, had a pretty, pretty good track record and sent some, sent some big time players to some big time places. And, you know, I think the thing that I noticed is the kids in our program that had had offers like early offers prior to, um, the spring of their junior year, those guys all ended up okay. And we, we had six kids sign division one scholarships on signing day and, you know, so that was great. That where it really hurt is like, we had a couple of kids that transferred to us that were really good players, uh, but they weren't with our program, you know, the spring of their junior year, they didn't play for us their junior year. They didn't have that film and um, they didn't get to work out for coaches, you know, over the spring. And we usually have a who's who of college coaches on our campus for, for, for our spring ball. And, you know, they obviously weren't allowed to recruit, And uh, those kids weren't able to go out and and do summer camps and, and get in front of coaches and show them what they could do. And so that's what I've seen. And, and, you know, hundred percent, I agree with you is not only are there limited spots because of the extra year of eligibility. And I agree hundred percent, there should be, um, but that transfer portal. And I was talking to to one of my kids' families the other day, and you got, you got almost 3000 kids in the transfer portal, 1700 of which are former power five scholarship guys. Power Five scholarship guys. So, like I explained the other day, is okay. So if you're if you've got two or three spots as a college coach available, and you need to go find somebody to fill them, are you going to go recruit a high school kid that you've never seen in person, and like for us that maybe played six games or less? Um, some kids in certain states that didn't play at all, or are you going to go take a, a, a you know Power Five scholarship guy out of the portal that you can watch? division one power five film on and see that this guy's been able to play at that level. So mm-hmm. it's, um it's really just, it's put the 2021 class in a bad spot and really hopeful that with how many kids are in the portal, it doesn't continue to trickle down to the 22s because I I think there's still going to be a little bit of a hangover on the 22s with everything that's happening.
1: Coach, can you talk a little bit about, you know, when I see your program, you know, I, I know the brand of, you know, Saguaro instantly, you know, I know, you guys put guys in college. You guys score a lot of points. You guys do a lot of those things. Can You talk a little bit about how that's you know pretty intentional and how yeah man we we want our program to be known for those things and we want our program to know that we want the best players to come here uh, and we want to develop the best players and ultimately put the best players in college, knowing that it's going to continue to make your program what it is. Yeah, no, I, I think that's um, that's something that we embrace when I uh,
2: when I took over 2012. Saguaro had been a strong program, so it wasn't like you know I. I, I built this program and made it what it is. It had been a strong program. It had been a state championship team. Um, but when I got here, what my goal was, was to take it to the next level, make it a, a national level program. And mm-hmm. so um, the way we did that is, you know, in my first year, I mean, we, we got beat in the second round of the playoffs and, you know, they were ready to run me out of town. They didn't think I knew what the hell I was doing and they were probably right. But, um, you know, we we built it up, you know, obviously it starts with talented players and I was blessed to have some really, really talented players. Um, some kids that I had coached all the way up from, you know, freshman ball and, and, and a couple of that youth ball, like Christian Kirk, who's playing for the Cardinals now that I coached from the time he was nine years old, all the way up through. And, you know, you start with some of those guys and, and, uh, it, so, you know, we're, we're blessed now because we're sending, you know, a half dozen to a dozen kids to the division one level every year. Um, when I first started, it wasn't that way. My first year in 2012, we didn't have one division one kid in that senior class. Um, then the next year, I think we had two and, but when you have one, um, you got to make sure that that you do everything you can to get that kid as many opportunities as possible, and uh, and and really, you know, prom- promote it and make it make it like, hey, you know, um, I, I know there's some high school coaches that say it's not my job to get my kids recruited, and you know, if you're good enough, they'll find you and all that. Well, yeah, to a certain extent, but I think as much as it's your job to to win football games and 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 grow these young men into into uh, into into strong character young men that are going to be good husbands and good fathers, I think at the same time you have to understand that. These kids have goals too, and they have aspirations to play football after high school. And they and 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 you have to consider that, and you have to you have to make that a priority too. So that's something that I've done is when I've had those guys that I think have that ability, I've really tried to to, to do everything I can to help them to create opportunities. To get their film in front of coaches, to stand on the table and beat my chest and not take no for an answer, and um, you know, you just you just try to find one opportunity, and once you get the first one, you, you use that opportunity to try to create some interest in a couple other places and try to create that snowball effect. So, um, yeah, that was it. We just said, you know, we want to I, I want to make Saguaro a national program. We want to play um, we want to play out of state big time teams, and and so I think in 2015 was our first year we played. Um, uh, Gardena Sarah High School from LA, which is a, a tremendous Southern California school. Got the opportunity to play on ESPN out in, in uh, Colorado against Valor Christian, um, and we played on the the, the Geico uh, Kickoff uh, Classic game and uh, and had success. Won both of those games. We had a tremendous football team that year and and uh, really represented ourselves well. I think since that point, we've played uh, two out of state opponents every year, uh, except for this past COVID season. We had two two out of state opponents scheduled, but obviously with everything going on, we couldn't play um, out of state. But I think that was it. Yeah, we wanted to we wanted to have a national program. We wanted to attract players to a school. We're, we're a we're a smaller school. We've got thirteen hundred kids. It's a public school, and you know we have to compete with schools like you know Chandler High School, who's been a a top ten national program in the last couple of years and they beat us by a touchdown in the open division championship game last year. Um, you know, we're, we we got to compete with these schools that have 4,000 kids. And and uh, the way we wanted to do that was by, by having a program that was attractive to families that you're going to come in, gonna get coached up uh you're gonna get loved up you're gonna have a great experience and be part of a brotherhood that that's uh, that's special and you're gonna have a coach um and and coaches that go to bat for you and try to help create opportunities and 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 uh and take pride in trying to get our guys out to the next level and it's it's been a really good recipe for us we've we've been able to attract kids to come to our program that you know they're choosing between the top three or four uh programs in the state and they choose saguaro because you know, they 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 like what it is that we're all about and what we have to offer and what we do for our guys.
0: So, Coach, we kind of jumped right into it, but, but um, you know, kind of how we normally started is, you know, learning about your background and your journey to where you are. So we're going to kind of, you know, kind of take it back a little bit, but obviously we know where you are and, and the success that you guys have had past seven or eight years and, and you know, you took over and, and so – uh, but how did you get to that point, uh, you know, from from playing days uh, to coaching to now where you've made that leap?
2: Well, you know, it's it's kind of a funny story. So I, I grew up around the game of football. My dad coached college and pro football. Uh, my parents uh, divorced when I was really young. So I didn't I didn't live it day to day. As a coach's son, I, I think I was like three or four years old. But um, I spent a lot of time around it and, uh, you know, his first, first coaching job, he, he coached defensive line at Oklahoma state. Uh, the D coordinator his first year there was bum Phillips. So that was before I was born. Um, then he, then he coached uh, at Arizona state for Frank Cush and, um, you know, ended up having a career in the NFL I was with Kansas city chiefs for a while. And I've got, I've got pictures of, you know, being five years old and, and being, uh, you know, on the field at Arrowhead stadium, um, you know, was on the, on the sideline for, uh, for two gray cup championships in the Canadian Football League uh, when he was with the Toronto Argonauts. And uh, my, my first uh, taste of champagne was, was out of the gray cup in uh, 1996, Doug Foody was a quarterback and um, they, they, I think they beat Edmonton. Uh, it, it was Ed Hamilton. It was like, they called the snow bowl. It was an awesome experience. So I grew up around the game. I grew up um, around coaches and all that. I had zero aspirations of, of, uh, of coaching football. Uh, I played youth football all the way up until high school. I uh, played um, travel baseball, basketball, all that stuff. But my 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 best sport was hockey. I actually, was a club hockey player, and which is funny because you know I, hmm. I was born in Southern California and then moved out to Arizona. When I was about ten years old, and so you wouldn't think of a, a kid that's whose dad was a, a pro football coach uh, played hockey growing up in Arizona. But that's uh, that's what I did. So football was really not on my radar at all. Um, to be honest with you, I, I played all through uh, high school, played club hockey, um, had some opportunities. Um, to play hockey after high school, but I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And so I, uh, you know, I went to Arizona state as a student. I was, I was pre-med uh, biology major. And, and I was like, uh, this sucks. I, I, don't, I don't like this, uh, <laughs> but I got involved in, uh, I got involved in, uh, in, in coaching youth sports for the city of Scottsdale, which is like uh, you know, a local suburb of Phoenix. There was, there was an advertisement in the uh, school paper and it said $10 an hour, which in 1999, $10 an hour wasn't bad. And it was coaching youth sports, so I called them up, and uh, they put me with a fourth and fifth grade girls' basketball team at at a local elementary school. It was my first ever coaching job, and uh, and I had a blast. I coached my I coached my ass off. I was like, you know, we were trying to run like full court press, and you know, with with nine year old girls that that you know was their first experience playing basketball. I'm I'm like 19 years old, you know, I don't know what the what the heck I'm doing. So um, so we had a blast. Uh, I, I I enjoyed it. I took it serious. Uh, and at the end of that first uh, fourth and fifth grade girls basketball season, my my boss with the city, you know, at the end of the year was like, hey, you did a great job. We love having you. Uh, but I think we're going to shift you to, to doing flag football with the, the junior high kids. We think you're like a little bit too competitive for the, the nine and 10 year old girls. Uh, so <laughs> that's how I got I got involved. I started coaching flag football for the city. Um, you know, like, again, it's part time job. And the, the group of kids that I was coaching in flag football was a seventh grade group. And so that next year when they were going into eighth grade, they wanted to, they wanted to play um, tackle football and get a year experience before they went to high school. So the parents just reached out to me and said, Hey, we, um, you know, we're going to sign these kids up, play tackle football. You know, are you interested in, in helping coach? And so I got involved, just like volunteer. Um, They were going to like pitch in money and pay me. And I was like, "No, it's, it's cool. I, I, we had some really good kids that I I really enjoyed coaching and good family. So um, I got involved uh, helping out coaching Pop Warner and, uh, my uh, one of my roommates at the time helped me coach and, and uh, it was just a, it was just a hobby. It was just something we did for fun. And and, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I kind of got into it. I was reading books and trying to find as much information online as I could. And, you know, talking to talking to my dad and stuff like that. And that's kind of how I got in. I started coaching youth football. We ended up kind of turning it into a little youth football program, um, actually called the Scottsdale Argonauts because my dad was in Toronto. In the CFL at the time, and so I, I got him to send us the helmet decals from the Toronto Argos, and and uh, that's what we were going to slap on our on, on our kids' helmets and call ourselves Argonauts. So, um, and actually that program is still around to the day, uh, like 20 years later, it's it's still running. Um, and that was a big part of what kind of molded me into a coach is is developing and growing that program. And started off with one team, and I think by the time I stepped away, I think we had nine nine teams from you know eight year olds eight year olds old up to 14 year olds, and uh, like 300 something kids, uh, in the program. So I got a call out of the blue from Saguaro high school, where I am now, somebody that knew me through coaching youth football, knew the athletic director, and they were looking for a freshman football coach. And so the guy, the guy told AD, you gotta, you gotta call this guy, Jason Mons, you know, he coaches this youth football team or whatever. And so they reached out to me about the freshman job. And I told him, um, on the phone that, you know, I, I appreciate the call, but I, you know, I don't think I'm qualified to coach high school football, you know? And I said, well, come out and meet with our head coach. And, and, you know, see what you think and, and we'll at least have a conversation. So that was it. I I came out, I met with the head coach, a guy by the name of John Sanders. And, uh, and he actually had known my dad. He had been a a former uh, pro coach. He coached in the, uh, in the UFL or the USFL, excuse me. Um, and and coached at university of Utah and been around a little bit and and had crossed paths with my dad before. So I think just because he was, he was an old, you know, football coach and respected my dad. And and I think he gave me, you know, gave me the shot because, because of that, not, not because anything else. And, and, uh, they brought me in and, and, uh, and, you know, coach Sanders taught me a lot about the game and uh, the offensive coordinator at the time, Matt Lewis was, was, was pretty darn good play caller. And they were doing some, you know, kind of on the cutting edge of, of the, you know, shotgun zone read stuff. And, and uh, you know, one of the first teams doing that. And so learned a lot from those guys. And, and the thing that I appreciate about coach Sanders is, you know, he gave me the the head freshman job, gave me the tools and then let me go. I mean, he didn't want to worry about the freshman team. They had a, they had a really good varsity football team and um, they just wanted somebody that could come in and, and run the show and, stay out of their hair and, and handle the parents and, you know, run the practices and not have to worry about it. And, and I think my experience doing youth football, I was, I was good with that. I was, I was used to kind of running the show and, and handling that stuff. So I came in and, and that's how I started, man. It was, so it was like I went from totally not being on my radar at at all to, uh, to, to, you know, being something that I was spending a lot of time doing and I, I had to make a choice. I was actually, um, I was getting ready to graduate uh, ASU. Uh, I had been accepted to go to chiropractic school. Um, up in Northern California, I'd actually like, uh, you know, had a place picked out to live. And, and I was, it was kind of like three months away. I was finishing up my, uh, my second semester of organic chemistry, which, if anybody's out there listening, that's, uh, like any kind of like, you know, biology or pre-med or whatever, organic chemistry is the worst possible class you could ever take. Um, if you're, <laughs> if you're able to pass the first semester, like somehow by, by the grace of God pass the first semester, um, the second semester is like, you know, it's even that much more of a nightmare. So I'm getting ready to sign up and take my second semester of organic chemistry, the last credit I needed for chiropractic school. And I'm like, is this what I want to do or do I want to coach ball? And, uh, I was doing a I was doing a full time, like six credit internship at a chiropractic office uh, in the mornings. And I dreaded going in. And Mm -hmm. as soon as that internship was up, it was like time to go grab a bite to eat and then go coach football. And I was coaching football for free. And I was like, man, I can't wait till my day at the chiropractic office ends. So I get to the football field. So kind of had to do some soul searching. And uh, it was funny because my dad had helped me out a lot with like, you know, picking a chiropractic school. And and we visited this, this school out in San Jose and, and looked at apartments. And I, I like, I'm thinking my dad was going to be disappointed that I was going to shift focus and coach football. You know, my, my football coach, dad, for some reason, I thought he would be disappointed that I was going to coach
1: football. <laughs> that's what
2: I want to do. I don't know. It's like, sometimes you, you just, you know, you set this track, you set this path for your life and you just think that your parents expect you to follow that path. And really, you know, at the end of the day, they just want you to be happy. So. Um, yeah, man, I know that's a long story, long winded story, but it, uh, I try to tell people all the time it's, I, I wasn't this like big time player that just transitioned into coaching. I mean, I was, it was not on my radar. I'm I'm a, I'm a hockey player, uh, that, that, that would started coaching fourth and fifth grade girls basketball and somehow found myself as the head coach at, at one of the best programs uh, in Arizona and, and, you know, one of the better programs in the country.
1: That's hilarious, man. I, I was a chem major too. So I, I, I had to go through all the stuff, but yeah, you're, you're, you ain't lying about O chem. O oh, chems is the real deal, dude.
2: That's like that. You know, when you have like, you have like flashback, like the, the, the nightmares where you're like, you forgot to study for a test and you have that, like, I think I still have those panic dreams about organic chemistry. And it's like, that's like 15 years ago.
1: It's absolutely brutal, but yeah, so I, I got into it for the same reason too, man. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, a bunch of questions popping into my head as you're telling the story. Uh, But I think the the one thing that kind of resonates with me is, you know, when you coach youth football and you you coach youth kids and you're so used to kind of, you know, developing those kind of lower level fundamental skills on doing things, I think it makes you such a better teacher and such a better coach when you do finally get to that, quote, varsity level.
2: There's no doubt about it. I think I'll always, I'll always look at myself as a youth football coach. I think, you know, that's, that's where I started. That's where I, that's where I learned the game. Um, and that's, that's where I learned how to coach was, was, was teaching kids that they're doing it for the very first time. They don't, you know, they haven't been taught before. So you have to break down that skill. Um, and you have to be able to communicate it in a way that makes sense and that they understand it. And, um, there's no doubt in my mind that that's, what's allowed me to be successful. Um, as a coach, it, it was like really becoming a great teacher and, and a great communicator. And, and um, yeah, no, no doubt about it. I, I have so much respect for youth football coaches because it's really the purest form of the game. And, and uh, it's where you can really, you know, kids either learn to love the game and have a passion for it, or they, or they, or they just decide, Hey, this isn't for me. Um, and I, and I talk about it all the time at the high school level. It's just so, it's so different, you know, and like hearing stories about, you know, when my dad, like you, you just, you played football. That's what you did. If, if you wanted to be a popular kid in school and and you wanted the girls to talk to you, you had to play football, right? And now um, with kids growing up, there's so many options and there's so many things for them to do. Their social status is not um, built around you know what sport they play or anything like that. So you really have to create an environment where where kids enjoy being there and they and they want to be there and it's fun and and they feel appreciated and and um, you know I think that's. I think I've been able to do that at Saguaro because at the youth, at youth football, it's the same thing. They don't have to be there. You know, they're doing it because it's fun. They want to learn the game. They're excited to be there and you have to kind of, you have to, you know, be able to keep that, that, that passion for them. So yeah, there's no, there's no doubt that, that those experiences I had coaching um, coaching youth football has, has allowed me to build this program up and, and really, you know, been the, the, the foundation for what we do here at Saguaro.
1: I think, too, I mean, I see uh, you on social media a lot as well. And like I said, I I follow from afar. I get to lurk a little bit. But, you know, I'm always so impressed, like, with the the fanfare and the the support you give to, like, your sophomore program, you know, and your JV programs and things like that. I I think that's another thing that also sets you apart, you know, knowing that that's the foundation, knowing that a lot of times it's it's not the glorified, you know, part of of varsity football. Those guys kind of get forgotten a little bit it's super cool to see those big time programs that really, really take pride. I think in those quote, lower level units.
2: Yeah. I, I appreciate that. No, it's um, I mean, I was a head freshman coach for three years. I, the, my Wednesday nights, when I was a head freshman coach, those were more important to me than the Friday nights were. I mean, I put everything I had into winning on Wednesday nights. So, um, you know, I, I understand how those guys feel. That's, you know, that's, that's their, that's their big game. And, and our freshman coaches put a ton of work into it. Um, you know, our, our kids and our families are committed to it and they're, they're doing all that, so you know. As 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 much as you know, a high school football program ultimately is about the varsity level winning games. Um, man, if I think if you're a competitor, I know it for me as a head coach, I want to win. I want to win uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night. You know, I I I take I I take pride in that, and and uh, and I try to find coaches that that you know they don't look at it like oh it's freshman ball. You know, I, I want them to I want them to put everything they have into 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 trying to win games and. You know, it's not all about just winning at all costs. We're going to do it the right way. We're not going to sacrifice doing it the right way um, just to win. But um, we we want to build that competitive attitude into our program. And I, I think you know, when 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 we talk about, and I talk to my kids, like, hey, if you come through this this football program, there's there's certain things that I want you to take away from it. And, and one of the main ones is is learning how to be a competitor. And I think that starts early. You know, it's like I want my I want my ninth graders running out there on Wednesday night, knowing like this is important. This, this means a lot to our whole program. And uh, I think our whole program's embracing our, our varsity kids. They come out and watch games on Wednesday night, they get fired up, you know, they'll retweet highlight videos of our freshman kids and stuff like that. I mean, it's like a whole program pride type thing. And, and uh, you know, I I love it. I think it's awesome. And I think, I think Arizona as a state um, really takes pride in the lower levels. I mean, we have, they get media coverage. We, we have, we have guys that, that come out and, and uh, and they cover games and they hype it up and they talk about the freshman game of the week and things like that. It's I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it gets it gets the hype uh, going and and rivalry games going. And, and, and it's like then those kids carry it over for, you know, for four years uh, of these big games that they've been playing since they were, you know, 14 years old.
0: Coach, I'm I'm curious, uh, you know, you've had all this different hurdles you've had this year um, and, and Uh, it's made all of us do things a lot differently because we have to, you know, meetings are shut, you know, are, are shortened down, at least for us, you know, it had to be whatever it was below 10 minutes. And we had to, um, you know, find ways to do things through zoom. And we had to, you know, set up practices differently and, and so many different things. And we couldn't meet in the office the same ways. Is there, what are some of the things maybe that you will take from this season that you thought, Okay, I know I'm doing this because I have to, but hey, this makes a whole lot of sense even when things are normal. Hey, I don't, maybe I don't need to put as much time. Maybe, you know, we could do these meetings and they're more beneficial. What are some things that, that you know, maybe you'll continue to carry on going forward?
2: Yeah, no, I, that's, that's a great point. And I think probably me and everybody else in the country that, that figured out how to, how to run Zoom meetings and, and uh, how valuable those were. I mean, we did, we did position meetings uh we did uh you know offense and defensive meetings we did coaches meetings and uh we did a, a full spring install when we when we found out that we weren't going to be able to have spring ball like we did a, we installed our offense and our defense through zoom and, and so we would we took like a normal you know we we do a four-day install on offense we repeat it three times so you know we we went through that install and we did it via film and so we'd show the install cards and we'd show cut ups and we talk through and so we did some, I think, you know, using technology um, to be able to do that, even from a coaching standpoint, you know, I, I look at, you know, I've got coaches that live up to an hour away from our school that drive to to come in here. And so when you look at like coaches meetings and things like that, if you can jump on Zoom and hammer those out where you don't have to all be in the same place at the same time, and, and I can save a guy driving 45 minutes each way and, and give him another hour and a half of his family on a Sunday, you know, I think, I think, you know, that's the stuff that I value and I try to find. So without a doubt, I think, you know, utilizing the technology to be able to have meetings and, and, um, you know, get guys dialed in and save time and be efficient, I think is important. Um, the flip side is don't just meet to meet. And I think, you know, I, I know I talked to some guys and I, we got to a point where like, we're we're freaking zoomed out, right? Like we just, we, we had way too many zoom meetings. And, and so, you know, you don't want to overdo it because you know, you can, you can lose guys that way too. But I think if you do it the right way and you're efficient about it and, and you're not just calling meetings just because you can, um, but, but because you, you actually have a purpose and there's nothing wrong with having a 30 minute quick install that doesn't have to be an hour every time. Um, but I think for sure, I think we'll carry that over um, from here on going, going forward. And I, I think, you know, just for, for you guys that I know are involved on social media, like I am, you know, the, the, what it's really created from a, from a coaching fraternity and network of guys talking ball and, and connecting and, I mean, gosh, you you could, I mean, we could jump on Twitter right now and, and five, find, you know, twenty-five different threads of guys talking ball and talking scheme and, and and ways to get better and ways to do things. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I think the, the game has has grown a ton um, because of the pandemic, you know, pandemic and and kind of forcing guys to step out and, and find new ways to get better.
1: I couldn't agree more with that, coach. That was actually gonna be kind of you know, my next question was, you know, kind of asking you you know, how, has how your kind of offensive mentality, your offensive philosophy, you know, maybe evolved, you know, probably even in the last, you know, few seasons, you know, obviously you have a ton of skilled players. You got to feed a lot of those guys, the ball, make people defend the, the entire field. You know, what are some ways you've kind of maybe evolved as a play caller and uh, you know, what are maybe some ways that you're kind of, you know, looking to, to continue to get better as you roll through this?
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm gosh, sometimes you almost feel like you devolve a little bit. Like, you know, I, I think the, the, the longer I go, the, the more I, I, I feel like um, less is more a little bit. And, you know, I'm always constantly learning. I want to I, I continue to learn and expand. Um, you know, we went from, from running a lot of different schemes, um, you know, to, to running fewer schemes, really have become more predominant. I know I'm on, the, I'm on the damn Run the Power podcast, but we've really become more of a predominant inside-outside zone team. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of it is personnel too. And so you really want to know what you do. I mean, and don't get me wrong. We're going to run GT and, and, uh, and GH counter, and we're going to run our one back power and power read and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's, you really, I think you have to tailor what you're doing to your personnel. I think that's the biggest thing is really understanding who you have in your system. And like, you know, this last year was the first time I've ever used a two quarterback system. And it was because. You know, we had a young, a younger guy. You know, going into his junior year, that was that was inexperienced, um, that didn't have a normal offseason, didn't have spring, didn't have summer, didn't have a lot of stuff, and and we had an experienced kid coming back that was more of our runner and could do some more of the power read stuff and and uh, and read option game that we like, and and so finding ways to utilize those, but really trying to build the script around what those guys do well and 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 the personnel that they have around them. I think that's the that's the biggest thing is is really understanding who you are. You know. What your identity is. And, and that's why I always tell people like we probably start slower than than most teams, um, because I'm, I'm always at the beginning of the year, trying to trying to find out the identity of, of what we're going to hang our hat on. And then as the year goes on, we really hone in on those things and really dial in. It's, it's like you start with this big overall menu of all the things that you can do and then as the season goes on we're just kind of trimming fat trimming fat trimming fat and and really trying to, t- to hone down to a really a small a, a small group of things that we do really well and then just get really good at dressing them up and presenting them differently and, and so that's what it's all about I, I think you know I'm always looking for new things always looking for ways to you know learn I think I look for more um you know ways to ways to coach it ways to teach it um, then, then more so like, it's not just about learning all this new scheme. I don't, I don't want a ton of new scheme every year. Uh, maybe, maybe a few things, but I want to get better at at coaching the things that that we know we want to do and that we're going to hang our hat on every year.
1: Coach, I'd imagine too, it's always kind of fun, you know, when you're in a program like a broken arrow and and you're getting big time college coaches that come through all the time. Uh, I know when harp and I would know guys are coming in, It's kind of like, Hey, make sure you're in the office because we always wanted to ask those guys questions. So I would imagine you guys have a lot of opportunity to sit down with some of those guys, pick their brain. You know, what are my, what might be some of the things you've picked up from that or kind of some of the impromptu almost clinic talks you have with the dudes that come through the coach's office?
2: Oh man. Like, I mean, I think like offensive philosophy wise, what I do is, is kind of like a hodgepodge of some of the incredible coaches I've been around. So, um, you know, I think the, the, the beginning foundation was, you know, the, the scheme that was being run here at Sawara, which is, you know, really the the 10 personnel kind of inside zone, like very basic stuff, a lot of the four vertical pass game, but it was a lot of like mirrored pass game. So it was very, very basic foundation. And then we were really lucky to have uh, Noel Mazzoni was the offensive coordinator at Arizona state. So when I, when I took over as offensive coordinator, Noel was at ASU and Noel was an awesome guy. Um, And, and we got to know him. We had some good players that he had recruited that they had got our running back dj foster who's playing for the cardinals now and so you know when when you've got a good player um you know they're they're gonna they're always gonna treat you well right and so you know i think we've been blessed because we've had good players i i like to think that that i'm a good guy and they want to do it out of the goodness of their heart but i'm i'm not too naive to realize that it's like yeah it it helps if you've got you know christian kirk or keely ringo or you got guys (laughs) like that They, they they definitely go out of their way to talk ball with you more when you got those guys but noel was awesome i mean we we sat in the office and it was before he had his end zone system that he was, you know, kind of just the, the beginning of him kind of thinking about doing that, but he really helped us a ton. And, and so, you know, a good portion of, 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 you know, what we do is stuff we got from him. And then, you know, we got to know Scott Frost when he was offensive coordinator at Oregon. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to get coach Frost in trouble. So, I, you know, I want not disclose. but like, you know, one time he was out here playing golf kind of on vacation and we were able to convince him to, to come sit down and talk some ball and, get on the whiteboard and, and go through what they were doing. So, you know, we got a really, you know, some really good stuff from them. And then I took, I took myself, um, at the time my receivers, Coach David Marsh, uh, who's now the, uh, the OC at uh, Texas Southern. You guys, you guys may have connected with Marsh on, on social media cause he's pretty active too, um, and, and our line coach. And we went and, uh, and we worked the big cat camp at Auburn. And, uh, and we got to, to hang out with, uh, with the offensive coordinator at the time, uh, Gus Malzahn. And uh, and they they set us up with a lowly quality control assistant named Eli Drinkwitz, um, who now happens to be the, the uh, head coach at Missouri. Um, and so we spent the whole weekend hanging out with Eli, and it was it was it was it was cool because you know when you go there and, and Gus was awesome, he would come pop in every couple hours and and put something on the board, um, but Eli hung out with us the whole time, and uh, and it's like you know he was fresh out of high school. It was his, I think it was his first year there. Nobody knew who he was. He wasn't like an important guy walking around, uh, but he knew Gus. They had a relationship. Gus obviously valued him and you could tell right away, like this dude is really sharp. Like, doesn't. he doesn't, he doesn't look like, you know, the, the, the ex quarterback, you know, like Scott Frost is six, three, like big, good looking dude jacked up. And, you know, he looks like he just finished playing football or could still play football. You know, Eli looked, you know, he looked like, you know, a guy that was had been coaching high school ball, but man, you get on the board with him, and it was like, all right, this dude's sharp, and we learned a ton. So a lot of our, a lot of our gap run game, um, you know, power and counter game was stuff that we got from what they were doing there. And I, I think that's still the basis of how we run our, our gap scheme is stuff that we got from, from, uh, from Eli and Coach Malzahn there. And then, um, gosh, I was blessed to have uh, a really, really talented quarterback named Luke Rubenzer um, that at one point was the, uh, the all-time national career completion percentage, uh, leader um, and he passed like guy like Peyton Manning and guys like that that he passed his senior year um, and he uh, he was recruited by Tony Franklin at Cal when Tony was the offensive coordinator there and Tony and I really hit it off and uh, after after Luke finished playing his senior year Tony asked me to come out and speak at his uh, Tony Franklin system clinic out in Nashville it was the first ever coaches clinic I did and uh, it was crazy I, I didn't know what I was getting into Uh, But there was like 500 coaches there and it was, I had never done a clinic before. I'd never done a clinic for like 10, you know, youth coaches, let alone 500 high school in in small college guys. (laughs) Um, But, you know, Tony asked me to come out and and, uh, talk about kind of our quarterback run game and some of the stuff that that we had done with Luke because Luke was a dynamic athlete. And so I got to hang out and sit around and and be there for the whole Tony Franklin clinic and seminar and learn all learn all of Tony stuff and we built a friendship. And so I learned a ton from him. And so, you know, it's just over the years, I've been able to connect with these, these phenomenal coaches, Um, coach Clay Helton at, um, at USC um, when they were recruiting Christian, you know, uh, coach Sark was the head coach, coach Helton was the OC, you know, and, and Sark's offense, you know, I was watching Alabama last night and a lot of the stuff that they were doing back then, they're still doing now. And um, I got incredible stuff. And so, you know, if you put on our film, it's like, it's, it's just a hodgepodge of all those guys and the stuff that they do and the stuff that made sense to me, the stuff that I really liked and and kind of have created it, you know, and built it into our own scheme. And and uh, yeah, I've, I've been so blessed. I mean, I, there's no doubt about it. I've been spoiled to be in the situation and be around the guys I have. And that's a small, that's just such a small sample of some of the guys I've, that we've been exposed to and um, the guys that we spent time around and learned from. It's, it's, uh, it's been pretty cool. And, and I think the thing that's awesome too, and I know you guys have seen it is, these guys are, they're real dudes. They're football coaches. A lot of them coached high school ball or or their, their dad was a high school coach or, and, and they've always been, um, you know, willing to share and spend time and they don't hold stuff back. And uh, I mean, that's really everything I've, I know I've learned from somebody else. I, I, you know, none of us have have invented anything. It's just, it's a, it's a great network of guys that are willing to share and help each other. And and I've been blessed to be the recipient of a lot of uh, big time coaches helping me out.
0: Well, it's, it's funny, you know, you talk about all these coaches that you have talked with or you've gone and visited, or they've come over with you. And, and it's something that, you know, Walls has talked about a bunch uh, to me, but, and that's almost the only way I do it now is, is I get so much more out of, you know, calling up a coach and saying, Hey, can we come in for a day? Um, can you let us, like you said, hang out with a GA, let him, you know, kind of, you know, blow through the playlist, let us sit down and watch. Uh, I got to do that my second year being a high school coach. And and the massive amount that I learned more than, you know, I'm sure there's, there are great coaches clinics out there, but it, it was just such a, a better use of my time to get – of our time to get to go talk with those coaches, even if it was only for a couple of hours – but you get to go there, ask those GAs. Those GAs are, I think, a lot smarter than a lot of people, you know, give those guys credit for. They think of, you know, the, oh, just a GA. But, I mean, they're completely in it. And Walls has talked about it a bunch. I mean, probably know a lot more about the entirety of of the team, maybe even than, than some of the position coaches do. Uh, and so – I've just learned, like you said, I've learned so much more by getting to go somewhere or having a coach come in. Or so I think if there's any, you know, head coaches out there, I think uh, Walls, I don't know if Bigsby or Jinx did it, but they would end up just, hey, we're going to pay this certain amount of money. And, and hey, offensive staff, who do you want us to bring in? And they'll bring them in for the weekend. Who do you want us to bring in on defense? Bring them in for the weekend and, and really, really get to ask questions and soak some things up.
2: Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's interesting. And, and, it's, you know, I've been blessed um, with our booster club support that, you know, I take my staff on a trip every year and we, and we try to go somewhere new um, and visit schools out that way. So, you know, last spring we were scheduled to go up to Oregon. We were going to go spend five days um, and we we're going to you know, go and, and be there during spring ball for Oregon and see them install and sit in on meetings and all that. And of course we got shut down uh, by COVID, but the, the year before we went out to Austin, Texas, um, we got a VRBO. We had 12 guys, uh, flew out there and and you know rented a big old uh, twelve passenger van and um, and so we went to UT for three days, um, spent some time out there. We went to A and M. Uh, we went and spent some time with Coach Rule at Baylor. Uh, we spent a day with Todd Dodge at Austin Westlake. I mean, it was incredible. And you and you know the cool thing too is the the day that we probably got the most was the day at Austin Westlake um, mm-hmm. and and, and t- with Todd Dodge and his staff. I mean, they were they were phenomenal. We got to watch them run their uh, their team through practice during their football period and. And uh, we clinic each other. So we just went back and forth and offense and defense staff split up and, and we just, you know, fired up the, the, the huddle film and, and just asked questions and got on the whiteboard. And man, uh, we got some great stuff um, from, from that day. So without a doubt, I mean, I think as much as, and I like the idea of, uh, of bringing a staff in, you know, I think um, for me, I, I like the idea of, of taking my coaches somewhere um, because it kind of gets them away from, that every day like hustle it's like why you take your team to a camp right you just kind of get them away from the distractions Great. you know not not to say that the wife and kids are distractions but um they get you know a lot more time to just focus 100 on football spending time together barbecuing um you know maybe drinking a couple cold ones and and uh and then just talking ball all day we have staff meetings and talk personnel and, and kind of plan plan practices and things like that it's been really good for us but um i tell you what i like the idea of, of bringing somebody in too and and. Uh, and 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 going out and targeting, hey, we like what this this school's doing. Let's see if we can get there, you know, their OCE or their, you know, their receivers guy, their tight ends guy to come out and spend three days with us. I mean I think that's that's phenomenal too if you can do that.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean in some places you almost have to kind of go you know, talk to your admin. Hey, I need to get professional days. I know at Jenks, Coach Trimble was so good at that. Like, hey, we need to get these guys two, three days off, and we're going to go do this. And he'd talk about it in the same vein. You know, in education, they want us to be professionally developed. They want us to be cutting edge. You know, and it was the same thing. I'm going to coach better. I'm going to be, you know, we're going to win more games. I'm going to be better in the classroom. All those things uh, are such a positive by going to these places and learning that. And then not only that, like you said, it's, it's a camaraderie deal. You get a lot closer to staff, you, you make those memories and, and there is no, you know, call or text you could get from somebody. Hey, I got to take off. No, we're all in one spot. Yep. It's going to be, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours of us straight up getting things done. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that. has been awesome.
2: I think I always tell people, I think one of the keys to our success outside of, you know, I don't ever want to hide from the fact that we've had talented players. So, you know, you got to have, you got to have talent to win games, but, We've been able to keep our coaching staff together, and I think the continuity in our coaching staff, with guys that genuinely care about each other, families get together, you know, wives wives get along, and and we and and we have each other's back. It's not guys that are trying to you know push push somebody down to to climb higher. It's just a bunch of guys that are all in it together that support each other, and um, you know that's what you're trying to build when you're trying to build that you know amongst your players. Um, I think you have to emulate that amongst the staff, and I think those you know being able to do those those trips like that, or you know if we're going to play in a seven on seven tournament up in Northern Arizona, you know, we could drive up there in the morning and drive back the next day, but I'll, you know, I'll get a VRBO place or get some hotel rooms and we'll go play golf the day before, stay the night and then do the seven on seven and drive home, you know, like time that you can create those opportunities to get your guys together and spend good quality time um, and, and build those bonds. I, I just think it, it helps your program. And we've been able to get our booster club and, and our admin here to buy into that and the importance of that. Um, and they, and they've supported us hundred percent along the way.
1: That's the biggest thing I miss about living in Arizona is the golf, man. That's like, that's like number one for me. I mean, you talk, you talk golf and even in like in Oklahoma, I got to play a lot more now in Iowa, you know, you got four months out of the year you can play, but I mean, I, so many cool memories again, of, of the guys on the staff being able to go out, play golf. You know, when I was in Arizona, bringing dudes in that would fly down, you know, from the North and play golf. What, what a cool, like kind of perk, you know, for working in a place like Arizona, you know,
2: yeah, no doubt. Except for the only time that uh, that us high school coaches can afford to play golf in Arizona is in the summer when it's 120 degrees outside.
1: So <laughs> that's true.
2: <laughs> all these, all these expensive courses, all these nice courses, all these people fly around from all over. And they drive those greens fees up.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You got to play. Yeah, like four or five in the morning. It seems like to get out there to be a player. If yeah, hey, you can play for 40 bucks,
0: but it's 120 degrees.
1: Yeah, and you got to walk. <laughs>
0: Well, Coach, um, so so my other question is, you know, you talked about this year going uh, a little bit more to an inside zone, outside zone scheme, um, and, and actually, you know, we kind of went into this year going the same way uh, here at Broken Arrow. We were – we've been gap, heavy gap scheme. We've been a big personnel team, you know, heavy personnel team. We got into this year, we had a small, fast tailback that wasn't going to be able to run power, you know, 30 times a game or, you know, he'd be hurt in the first game. Uh, So we decided, you know, he was more of an outside zone guy. Uh, We went to outside zone uh, and we thought we were going to be inside zone, outside zone team. Well, we go outside zone. We were really good at outside zone. Yeah, not really good, but that was definitely our best play was outside zone. Uh, We tried to backdoor with inside zone uh, and we really, probably our worst year ever of running inside zone. Uh, You know, I really struggled with it, Um, you know, whatever reason so we kind of got into being a little more of a gt counter uh off of outside zone what were some of the things that 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 caused you guys to get into you know the outside zone the wide zone world um and then you know what are some maybe some of your coaching points that that you use or or some things that that you think make your inside zone successful off of that because like i said we we really struggled with it
2: yeah um well i think Outside zone, I'm a I'm a big believer. I mean, we see so much odd front here in Arizona. Um and and I think, you know, the the outside zone, especially against we, you know, we get so much three four. I think the outside zone is is a really good scheme against that. Um, you know, sometimes Inside zone gets tough against some of the some of the odd front stuff because you know identifying who we're reading and and uh, and all that stuff can can be tricky and they can play lots of games for you so um, that that's that's the main that's the main reason why I like outside zone I think because we get so much odd front and and uh, you know even a couple of teams that are still running like the the odd stack or the you know three three defense you know I, I think outside zone it's it's a heavy dose of outside zone and then we'll run a little bit more power against some of those type teams but um, I think I think you always have to look at um your schedule and, and who you're playing and what kind of schemes you're going to face and, and and you know what you really like and for us just just the way that our our you know schedule broke out I mean it was just a lot of teams that we kind of liked outside zone is kind of our base run game against um, so um and then as far as inside zone you know the way we run it, it was funny I was actually in a dialogue uh yesterday on, on I got tagged into uh uh you know hey what do you think about you know against the 3 tech having your inside your running backs path wider on inside zone and you know, I'm a, I'm a big firm believer. Like we teach our kids to, we aim at the center's play side, ass cheek or butt cheek, um, if we're going to keep it PG, but, um, we tell them, we tell them to aim at the center's play side, butt cheek. we don't care if you're going if there's a, a one or a three or whatever, um, we, we kind of run it as like an a gap to a gap play. So it's almost like, it's almost like veer the way we run it. Um, and, uh, and we just teach, it's real simple. We, we press the, the center's play side, butt cheek. And uh, if, if we get to the heels of the O-line and it's clear, we tell them, you know, put your shoulders down and get four yards and hammer that thing. And um, if you get to the heels of the O-line and it's cloudy in the front side A-gap, then we're going to jump cut backside. And, and so for us, it's really a downhill hard hitting uh, play. Um, you know, I, my, my whole point in the dialogue I had yesterday was, you know, I think if, if, if you have a wider track on inside zone then the, the running back has more of a tendency to want to bounce it. And I, and I don't want, I don't want running backs thinking bounce inside zone at all. If you want to do that, then, then, you know, you can run duo and read the mic and, and, uh, and it's a little bit different of a scheme, but yeah, we want to get that thing downhill. We want, we want square shoulders. And, and uh, it's, it's really, truly more like a, almost like a veer type scheme for us. And so um, that's, that's been, you know, that's been our change up. That's been, that's been what we've done. And, and, uh, and then if you start getting teams that are flowing real hard, cause I think you're, you know, you're going to run outside zone. then then obviously we're going to, we're going to wall it off and try to and try to hammer that cut back. Uh, on the inside zone
1: yeah I'm a, I'm a huge proponent too I was, I was laughing I probably liked a couple of them that, that you had on there too because I think, you know any of your best backs you know to me they have the the square shoulders and they can see the linebackers I mean it, to me the the best ones we've had at, at running inside zone they can see that backside linebacker you know is he going to rock back and fit it so now I can bang it in there or is he you know trying to, to late fit it front side and now go backside? but he can never see it like you said if he's if he's working that front side angle. Yeah. I want to have, let him have that vision so he can go be the dude he can be. Yeah. A hundred percent.
2: That's, and that's really where that play hits. Right. I mean, in my opinion, that's when, when we get that flow, that backside line, and if you've been running, if you've been running outside zone, they're kind of starting to flow a little bit and you can wall that backside backer off and crease that thing. That's, that's when that play really hits. So that's really what we want. That's what we teach our kids. is like, Hey, hammer this thing frontside a gap. But if that thing gets cloudy, you gotta be, you gotta be ready to jump cut it and, and go. And that's, you know, that's ultimately what we want.
1: Coach, uh, how much have you guys kind of dabbled then in the RPO
2: world? Yeah, we've been a, we've been a pretty big RPO team. And I, and I, I credit you know, my experience with getting to know Tony Franklin. I mean, Tony was one of the first guys doing it. And, um, and so we learned a lot from him. So in 2015 was the first year that we started running RPOs. And um, so to me, it's, it, that year it was, it was a blessing because uh, we had had kind of a string of really good dual threat quarterbacks and and been a huge zone read, power read, GT like inverted GT read, and all that stuff. And uh, and then we had a kid that really wasn't a runner; he was more of a pocket passer. But that option game was such a big part of our offense that we wanted to we wanted to keep the option game, you know, in our in our calls. And so learning that very basic RPO. And at that point, you know, we're a, we're a ten and eleven personnel team, and everybody was playing too high, and it was like stealing. I mean, it was you know we would we would run one back power with just just all hitch and, and just, you know, read the overhang player and he'd come play run and we'd throw a six yard hitch and pick up, you know, 13 yards and, and rinse and repeat and throwing gift routes outside. And, um, you know, teams that were playing cover three or quarters or whatever. And it was, you know, it really was, it was like the first couple of years we were doing it it was stealing. And, uh, and uh, now it's a lot more, it's gotten a lot more advanced. You know, teams are, teams are covering down, they're, they're pressing and playing man and they're taking away the, the easy stuff. And um, it's funny because, for a while, you know, four verticals used to be our number one pass scheme, like, like in 2010, and then everybody was playing too high because everybody's running four verticals. So then that four verticals wasn't as big of a part of our offense. And now four verticals is huge again, because we're getting so much more post safety, um, you know, one high look. So um, it's just interesting how the, you know, the ebbs and flows of, of scheme and things like that. But yeah, that we were kind of, we were kind of forced to, to get into the RPO world just because we wanted to be an option offense and we didn't have an option quarterback. And, uh, and then we had a lot of success with it. And then the next quarterback we had was a kid that could run again. And we're like, well, shoot, now we can run all of our read option stuff and the RPO stuff and, and, um, and really kind of take the offense to the next level. So, um, it's been really good to us. And, and, uh, but I'll tell you what, the last couple of seasons, it's gotten harder and harder, um, to run RPOs. You, you know, there's teams are doing really good stuff to take it away. Um, and so now I think, um, you've got to get a lot better at the, uh, you know, the, the, the play action pass game and, and, uh, and the man beaters and all that stuff that you've got to be able to have dialed up because teams are going to take that stuff away and they're going to make you work for it.
1: I agree. That's kind of where I've started now with, you know, coaching receivers is, is just kind of the same philosophy, knowing that if teams are going to play zone, we, we should be good. We should be able to run the ball and we should be able to tear them up with, with RPOs. And then knowing that most defenses to try to come down and take it away, playing with the cover down, we start day one. Now, what are our man beaters you know how are we going to defeat man coverage and and now to me if if we can do all those things now d coordinators have to be thinking like man th- this is where it gets a little bit dicey and as long as you have the dudes that can win in man you have you know solid concepts it, it makes offense pretty fun i know as as a fellow oc yeah
2: yeah i know i i think I, I was like when i do when i do uh like clinic talks and things like that when everybody's like oh what, what do you run offense what like I don't have like a catchy name or anything like that for for the offense, but I I think at the very basic, it's we want teams to always have to defend the threat of four verticals. And we want to try to um, create an extra gap in the run game. So you know, you, using a tight end and uh, and running split zone, or or, or you know, running you know running outside zone to a tight end, or doing insert zone and things like that, where you know you have an extra hat, but you can also threaten four verticals. And I think that's the that's the world we want to live in. Which is, hey, if you're going to play too high, then we're going to run the ball all game long. You know, we're going to have we're going to have numbers in the box, put a hat on a hat, and run the ball. And then when you when you bring that guy down in the box and you start playing with a post safety. And we've got to be able to attack you with four verticals. And then like you said, all the all the man beater stuff off of that. Because hey, if they got dudes that can that can get up in your face and press you, you know, you're not going to be able to run four verticals all game long. But you know, switch verticals and rub routes and meshes and things like that. You know, I I'm with you. I think that that becomes like your day one stuff now for sure.
0: Well coach kind of rolling up on an hour now and, and don't want to keep you too long, but but kind of the last thing that I always like to ask guys is uh, when you're watching another team play football and you're watching their offensive line, what's some things that their offensive line would be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach?
2: I mean, I, I like when when the teams are kicking the shit out of the first level. I mean, I think, you know, getting hip to hip, coming off the ball, winning the first level, like really playing with uh, with some nastiness in them. I, I, that's, that's the thing we try to preach to our kids is like, hey – the running backs, if we got a dude, if we're a good football team, it's going to, we're going to have a good running back. And those guys are going to be able to make guys miss at the second level. And, 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 and if they get to the third level, it should be a home run. We got to take care of the first level. And so that's what I like, man. I like, I like when teams and, you know, we, we're we a two point stance team. I, you know, I don't, I know some guys like, oh, you got to have your, your hand in the ground. If you're going to like, I don't think, I don't think that's the case. I just want to see guys that are coming off the ball playing nasty, you know, getting, getting double teams at the point of attack. And, and, uh, I love watching that. And I'll tell you the other thing that I think is like poetry in motion is when you're running like GT or you're running power and teams are trying to, you know, spill it and, and you can get a really good log. And, and that, that, that second puller has, has got good depth and patience and can fold around and pick up the scraper. I, I think that's like the most beautiful thing. I love watching that when we do that, right. And, and we log and, and, and pull around and, and pick up the, the, you know, the scraping backer. I think that's, you know, for, for offensive line guys, you know, for me as an offensive coordinator, I'm like, man, that's, that's good stuff right there. That's, that's, that's better than watching like a one headed catch or anything like that. I'd, I'd rather see that all day long.
0: And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about run the power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve or hoodie at RunThePower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.